Buckeye Talk is brought to you by ShopOhioState.com and the Ohio State University Barnes & Noble Bookstore. For the finest Ohio State gear and apparel, go to the store on High Street or visit ShopOhioState.com. Great discounts, great stuff at ShopOhioState.com and MinutemanTickets.com. Concerts, theater tickets, sporting events, whatever you need, it's national selection with a local feel. Make our ticket guys your ticket guys with MinutemanTickets.com. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Buckeye Talk, Ohio State somehow won here at Maryland, 52-51 in overtime. And I just want to make it clear that when I tweeted after the game, gutsy Bucks stage comeback to set up rivalry game, that was sarcastic. <laughs> so if you liked that or retweeted that, I was I was being sarcastic. Because that's not the story of this game. Steven Means, Doug Maurice here atop whatever the name of the stadium is. I don't know. It was called something else. There's construction everything exploded. There were 1,200 yards of offense today. Um, we're going to get to your questions. We have 65 questions. We're not going to get to all 65. But, Stephen, to start off, you are, when you make your picks for a game, you are very declarative. You don't second-guess yourself. You no. have a feel for things. No. You say this is what's going to happen. Your very first pick, right, was Michigan State, right? Correct. And you had a feel for that that you thought it was going to be close and low scoring. And Ohio mm-hmm. State kind of pulled ahead at the end there, but I think the feel you had for that game was much closer to what then happened right. than what I thought my feel for that game was. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, we were both wrong. How surprised were you by what you saw today? In fairness, I was almost right about how much Ohio State scored. They added a field goal. but sure. um, 49-7, you said. Yeah, I thought this. this, first of all, <laughs> the way this game was looking, I thought we were in the Big 12 for a second with the amount of... I mean, we are. Like, <laughs> wow. Well, the offense looks great, which is a, a good sign. Um, I don't think we've had a game yet this year where both the run game and the pass game were solid. Now, granted, uh, Dobbins ran how many times? 37 times today? Yeah. Because of the lack of Mike Weber because of a bruised quad that he suffered on Tuesday. Um so he pretty much just like shouldered all the load offensively. I think when we were talking about picking a running back, I don't think we were talking about just like giving one thirty-seven yards. I mean, carries in one game, but hey, that's how it went today. And he lived two hundred three yards, if I'm not mistaken. But Haskins looked great at home. He broke uh, the he broke Joe Jermaine's record in um, the second quarter on a 68-yard pass to Terry McLaurin. And then he broke the JT Barrett's record of 35 passing touchdowns in a single season on a much-needed touchdown pass to Benjamin Victor in the fourth quarter, which tied the game at 45, which inevitably sent the game in the overtime. But I wrote about this a little bit, too. The fact of the matter is the offense was great, but... Ohio State desperately needed the offense to be that great because if it weren't, well, the Terrapins still put up 51 points no matter what the offense was doing. 
I can't talk about the offense anymore. The next 43 <laughs> minutes are going to be all about what the hell's wrong with this defense. Um, so to be clear, we got a million questions about Mike Weber, Mike Weber during the game. I almost called him Michael Weber. Mike Weber during the game, it was an injury. It was an injury. It was not a suspension or anything. No. Um, and it cropped up during the week in a quad thing that he couldn't go. So they worked in Demario McCall, and they went with J.K. Dobbins. And again, I, I just would like to be clear here. J.K. Dobbins ran for 203 yards. Um, he ran it 37 times. That's a lot of yardage, but he only averaged 5.5 yards per carry. And right. I say only because like there are years where Ezekiel Elliott, for the whole year, averaged 6 or 7 yards per carry. That's what Ohio State running backs do. So a, a game where the lead Ohio State running back averages 5.5 yards per carry is not really, truly... A chest pounding game. Now I'm not I'm not complaining or anything about the Ohio State run game. Just putting it in perspective. It, the context of this, they just ran a ton. So and I also want to put in context the Dwayne Haskins emergence. Dwayne Haskins running the ball. I'm telling you, Dwayne Haskins is not running this team to victory. Fifteen carries, fifty-nine yards, three point nine yards per carry. He shocked Maryland. He shocked Maryland with some of these keeps. He did scramble a little bit. That is still not the thing. And we'll get to some take questions because if they're going to run legitimate zone read with Dwayne in the red zone, then maybe the tape package is dead. Well, we'll get to that question right now. Maybe the tape package is dead because, like, well, you're just running the tape package with Dwayne Haskins. I still think that that Tate runs it so much better, um, you still might want to do it, but uh, another Russian, too, asks, can we admit the Tate package is dead for it to work? They have to let Tate throw some. They would rather ask Haskins to, Haskins to run. No thanks. It's an interesting thing. You do have to have that real threat, the dual threat, right, of any quarterback. Which one are you going to do? If Tate always runs, then, okay, now now Dwayne always throws. You wanted to get away from that. You wanted to add intrigue. So that's a great point that if the, the intrigue now is, well, maybe Dwayne will run. As opposed to Tate's in, but Tate can still throw. Does that make sense to you, Stephen? Does that would that if that's the way they go? And we don't know because they do something different week to week. We don't know what they're going to do against Michigan. Again, they're not they're not saving Tate. They're just trying to win a game. If they go that way, that their thing now in the red zone is Dwayne might keep it. Is that better than the Tate package? No, not against the number one defense in the country. I think today what happened was. Haskins kind of got on a roll, so they stuck with him. They even put Tate Martell in the game this week, and within like two seconds that he gets out there, there's a false start, false start penalty, which seems to be the case whenever Tate Martell gets in the game, where there's some type of mishap that really is not in his control, and so they just kind of, which sets them back. So now they got to go back to a passing attack. So they'll go back to Dwayne Haskins, and they'll just go, oh, he's. We're just going to stick with Haskins for the rest of the game, which seems to be the constant theme here. So I don't know. Somebody on that line doesn't want Tate Martell on the field. Well, which is maybe why they should have worked Tate into the game in the middle six games of the year instead running him instead of running him like in the first four weeks, then ignoring him for the whole middle stretch of the year. Maybe if they had done that, they wouldn't fall start when Tate Martell comes in the game. But that's part of it, right? It's unfamiliarity. Right. They're 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 not used to the way he maybe has a cadence or is called. Like, who's mm. trying to change a play today? He's like up at the line trying to change a play, and right. Isaiah Prince moved. I don't think that's Tate's fault, but I think it's that what you see when guys don't work together. Mm-hmm. I think that 
a lot of those zone reads that we saw from Haskins were supposed to be Tate, and I think they will be Tate next week. I, I'm not sure I disagree with that. I think you might be right that like this, they kind of live in the moment. And again, right. sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Every coach in the world says you take what the defense gives you, blah, blah, blah. It's fu- One week doesn't really necessarily mean you'll do that the next week. I would not give up Russian bot or whatever Russian thing it was. I would not. I would not say. I would agree with Stephen. I don't think the Tate Martell package is necessarily dead just because Dwayne ran it today. Uh, let's get to a million defense questions. How many current coaches should be back next year, and how many will be? Bill Davis can't be back. Um, Bill Davis can't be back. We said that before. We'll get the Morciana questions. Tony, Tom Marzano, at Tom Marzano. I don't see any big-time college interested in Greg Schiano with the defense performance this year. If he doesn't land a job, what does Urban do with him? What happens with Urban Meyer? Urban Meyer does not fire coaches. Zach Smith was the first coach he ever fired. He takes pride in that. He takes pride in his loyalty. He will shuffle guys off. Everett Withers got shuffled off. Ed Warner and Tim Beck got shuffled off. But they never officially got fired by Ohio State, and they did not go jobless. They did not go have, have to go look for a job having been fired from their last job. Well, you know who got fired? Matt Canada got fired at LSU. He almost beat Ohio State today as the, as the head coach filling in because DJ Durkin got fired. I don't know about this Shiano thing. They're such good friends. But, Stephen, when you watch this defense, and I wrote, if you want to read 1,500 words about Greg Schiano and this defense, go to cleveland.com. It's there right now. When you watch this defense today and this season, Stephen, can you bring back the guy who's in charge of that defense? Because it wasn't just a bad game. It was the, the culmination of a very iffy year culminating in Maryland dropping a 50 spot on you. This is a prime example of this quote. There is a first time for everything. This defense has not been good all season. And outside of the fact that this team just so happened to have, for a couple of weeks, had the guy who might be the number one pick in the NFL draft, yep. there hasn't really been a standout person on this defense. And as we've already said, Michigan State's offense was so bad yep. that it allowed you to think that Ohio State had made some level of an improvement on de- on defense. And within literally the first 10 minutes of real time, we found out from Anthony McFarlane, no, this defense has not made a single improvement the entire season. The man ran for 81 yards his first, on Awful. the second play of the game. Awful. And then the very next time he's on the field, he runs for 75 yards. So he starts the game off breaking Maryland school records. And he broke a ton of them today. And literally, it, it felt like the entire first half was us hearing on the announcements that Anthony McFarland was breaking a Maryland school record set by a freshman. And the thing that I don't know is Brendan White missed the tackles today and took the bad angles today that Isaiah Pryor has been missing and taking right. the bad angles on all year. So if multiple guys at one position are doing the same thing, more banana angles today. Guys moving forward and attacking at the mm-hmm. line of scrimmage and immediately getting beat and having to turn and run the other way. Or guys flying into a hole out of control for no reason. Mm-hmm. Why are you out of control? Break down and make a tackle. Don't fly up out of control. It's not a do-or-die play. It's just first and ten. 
if if multiple guys are doing the same thing, is it, is it the guy? No, the first time the first time it's the player. The second time it's the coaching scheme. So that's Alex Grinch. Safeties are Alex Grinch. I don't think the safety play has been as good as anybody expected across the board. That's Alex Grinch. Linebackers, that's Bill Davis. Corners getting beat time after time. Clearly a drop off in talent at corner. That's Tabor Johnson. There are multiple and Greg Schiano. I didn't get into this. I seriously wrote fifteen hundred words. I could have written forty five hundred. I have a million thoughts on this defense. One of them is, with the 10th assistant this year, Greg Schiano is no longer coaching a position group. Alex Grinch came in and took over the safeties, which is what Greg Schiano had coached. So it's Grinch with the safeties, Johnson with the corners, Davis with the linebackers, Larry Johnson, who might be the only guy on the defensive staff doing his job this year on the defensive line. That allows Greg Schiano to only game plan. He's overseeing during practice. He doesn't have a meeting room. He doesn't have guys that he has to like check up on. Mm-hmm. He's the head coach of the defense. So you know what he can spend all his time doing? Over-scheming. Mm-hmm. Figuring out every little blitz. Let's try this. Let's try that. I did not even get to this in the story at all. I'll have to write something separate on it. Chase Young said in the second half today, when in the second half they only gave up six yards per play after giving up 11.5 yards per play in the first half, when six yards per play is your improvement, <laughs> that's how bad your defense is. Chase Young said in the second half they went back to a base defense. They simplified it, and it worked better. Greg Schiano is scheming them out of plays at times, while I think also being stubborn to some things and not adjusting in some other ways. There are a lot of guys in this press box who are smarter about football nitty-gritty than me, but we've all been talking about this all day. There are fundamental things with scheme, fundamental things with tackling that only can go back to coaching And I will make this point. If you don't want to read the 1,500 words, you get it here on Buckeye Talk. Ohio State in the last three NFL drafts have had 13 defensive players taken in the first three rounds. Seven first-rounders. 13 guys in the first three rounds just on defense in the last three NFL drafts. A talent drain is part of this. It's part of it. And that is a reasonable thing. I don't think you can hold a team or a program to that standard. Well, how come you don't have three defensive guys taken in the first round every year? Listen, that's crazy. And by the way, the guy who fits that bill on this team is in L.A. working out. So you did have a guy like that, and you lost him. And Draymond Jones might be that guy. There might be two guys from this defense taken in the first round of the 2019 NFL draft. But the best one's not here. The guy who might be the overall number one pick is not here. But overall, talent drain, reasonable. Getting out-schemed, getting, having fundamental issues with guys being out of position and not making tackles, that's on coaching. That is not acceptable. This is a good question. John Macon at J.A. Macon 7. If I told you right now Ohio State scores 35 next week against Michigan, do they win? First of all, that's a big if, giving them 35 points. That's the thing. That's the thing. <laughs> there are clearly, clearly, no doubt about it, the two best sides of the ball in this game are the Michigan defense and the Ohio State offense. Right. So, so to me, if the Ohio State offense scores 35 on Michigan, that's a win. They've won that battle. But against a Michigan offense that I don't think is great, but is pretty good, with 30, is 35 enough for Ohio State to win? I think if we're going to talk about – the Ohio State's offense is the best part of their team, and Michigan's defense is the best part of their team. So it pretty much boils down to who's better, Michigan's offense or Ohio State's defense. And after what I've seen in the 
three games that I've covered so far and watching Michigan, I think Michigan's offense is better than Ohio State's defense right now. So I don't know if 35 wins, I 35 points wins the game. I think it makes it a game. I think they're at a point where like, they're going to have to put up 35 points if they want to win that game. If they want to be close to winning that game, sort of like how this game, they had to put, they scored 52 points, which is an amazing feat for an offense to do. But then you realize, oh, wait, they won by one point, And that's because of an inaccurate quarterback for, yeah. for Maryland. So, oh, my God, you put up 52 points. Oh, my God, we had to put up 52 points to barely beat Maryland. So that's what it's going to boil down to. I think the better question is, does how much does Ohio State have to put up in order to win a game? Um, I mean, it's going to be a fascinating breakdown. I mean, clearly, the worst unit in that game is the Ohio State defense. 100%. So um, the, a lot of it, and, and we're going to end up writing a lot about Michigan defense versus the Ohio State offense. The Michigan offense, I think, is good. Shea Patterson is better than this Maryland quarterback today. Shea Patterson is far better than any Michigan quarterback. Shea Patterson completes that two-point conversion pass. Shea Patterson completes passes that John O'Corn missed last year against Ohio State that mm-hmm. might have allowed Ohio State to win last year. I mean, I'm sorry, that might have allowed Michigan to win last year. John O'Corn just missed throws. Um, Michigan's been so bad at quarterback and has competed legitimately with Ohio State in some of these games. Shea Patterson is not an All-American. He is significantly better than anything Michigan's had. And he is better than a lot of the quarterbacks who have had their way with Ohio State's defense this year, right? That that David Blau took Ohio State apart. Uh, Shea Patterson, I know David Blau's had some good numbers in a lot of games. Shea Patterson can do that. A true freshman went wild on Ohio State. Yeah. So, I mean, like, that's the thing. There have been a lot of okay to good quarterbacks who have dissected this Ohio State defense. So, Shea Patterson doesn't have to be Andrew Luck to have some success, I think, next week. Um, Let's see. Does Michigan now have to game plan for Haskins running, or was today just a weird game? At the Jadster, David Jadwin, always with good questions. So, we think... Uh, and again, I don't think any of this was like, let's give Michigan something to think about. 100% of this was, oh my God, we're going to lose to Maryland. We have to do this. Um, I, I, they have to game plan some, but here's the thing. And I will tell you, if I'm Michigan and I'm that defense, I am not worried about Dwayne Haskins running. He ran 15 times today. If I'm Michigan, I want Dwayne Haskins to run. Oh, I'm daring him. I'm not run. worried. I mean, do it. Fine. Do it. They did it. Teams did it the last couple years with JT Barrett. We'll take the pitch away. We'll take the giveaway and we'll crash and force you to keep because JT Barrett, we'd rather you have the ball than J.K. Dobbins. And JT Barrett had some mobility. Dwayne Haskins doesn't have any mobility. So if we're going to take him, if you want him to go away from the one thing that's pretty much going to be a moneymaker from him, fine by me if I'm Michigan. Like, I'll let him run. I would let him run twenty-five times. That takes the ball out of the hands of the guys who probably should be running the ball. So, so that's that, of all the things they can do, the least dangerous thing this offense can do is let Dwayne Haskins run. Now, like, of, of okay, if there's eleven guys tackling J.K. Dobbins and Dwayne Haskins gets in the open field, then okay, he might run. But that's not really what it's going to be. They're no. just, if they play it soundly, if Michigan and they are sound, they are a sound defense. 
So if they're gonna if they're gonna play in a way to try to make Dwayne Haskins keep it and not give it, I mean Dwayne Haskins is not gonna win this game getting four yards of carry on the zone read. They'll take that every day of the week. He ran the ball fifteen times for fifty nine yards and three touchdowns. All of those are career highs for a reason. And you, Ohio State's offense needs to be dangerous mm-hmm. in this game. And that's not dangerous. Like it might be. I understand that the idea that it's that it's competent, that it's a look. It's more than anything they had before in the zone read. It is not the answer. No, it's just a bonus. It is not. I hope they don't fall in love with that. Like that's like to be like, oh wow, Dwayne really ran it today. No, come on, man. That's, that's why I say I'm pretty sure a lot of those were for Tate Martell, and next week they will be for Tate Martell. It's just in this game he got rolling, so they stuck with him. Tate's more dangerous. And also, I also obviously we understand the idea. You wrote about it based off last week, Stephen, that when Tate was in the game um, against Michigan State last week, it opened things up for right. Mike Weber. So I, we all obviously we've been here when the quarterback is a threat to keep, it opens things up for the running back. But within that, you have to understand that every defense is going to play that to try to make the quarterback keep it. Yeah. And, and they'd rather Dwayne end up with it. So I hope it's not a, a major part of their plan. Chris O'Neill at Sportsman365. Thoughts on Coach Meyer? He needs to show more leadership and poise rather than reacting to every single play like an overly attached fan. Wow. Media couldn't get enough of it today. Not a good look for the program. What do you think about that? I I have a problem trying to tell someone what to do in a raw competitive state. Um, listen, I understand the camera's on him, but he's not like – and he didn't care at that moment. Right then, he's pissed off that his defense isn't playing well. It's not, to be honest with you, like, it's not like he was like that in media availability on a Monday or when we talked to him after the game. He was calm and respectful. Like, but you can't expect someone in a competitive state like that to to take a step back and go, wait, like, there's a camera on me. I don't think he's paying any attention to that. Let at me all. ask you this. I watched him a lot. I had my binoculars on the coaches a lot on the sideline today. Did Urban Meyer look like a leader today? I don't think he looked like a leader. I think it was just more of a fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it, but not really like, you know, giving any like real help into or insight into how they can fix these problems. I think he did not look like a leader today. And he yelled at some guys individually at times. I thought he looked, and I gave Hugh Jackson a lot of, crap in his tenure for looking like a guy that the game was happening to and instead not, yeah. of the guy who's in charge of the game. Right. I thought today Urban Meyer looked like the game was happening to him too often. Not every time. He's very involved with the, with the special teams units, as we know. When stuff would happen, he was in there with the kickoff units. And we know he has delegated all the defensive authority to Greg Schiano. And we know that he has really, I think, handed over play calling more than he ever has this year to Ryan Day. And I think a lot of that can be good. I think a lot of that is the problem, though, because he he has handed off so much control that it leads to this, where it's like, it's just, hey, since you've got all this control, you fix it, you fix it, you fix it, because he doesn't really have but so much. Obviously, he's the head coach, so he still has to approve certain things, but for the most part, he kind of lets them do what they feel is right, which I mean, can also be a problem. Part of the issue over the years, there's been a lot of debate of like Urban sort of like letting the offensive coordinators do it, but then getting his hands in it. And like when 
too much, and, and, and there was a lot of question when Ryan Day mm-hmm. was running things for three games, and then Urban came back. Like, is Urban going to get in the way of his own team too much? It's a mm-hmm. very delicate thing. It's his team. He's the head coach. This what I didn't like was that when things were not going well, I just didn't. I don't. It doesn't need to have a meeting on the sideline all the time, but I didn't feel him asserting his authority. Just through the binoculars, he did not feel like someone who was saying like, "Hey guys, let's do this." Being an emotional leader, he's very clearly the emotional leader of this team, and I mm-hmm. thought like he was showing his emotions, his personal emotions. And there were times when I saw him say, calm down, calm down, when things happen on the field. He was trying to get guys calmed down, let's get focused, that kind of stuff, which is good. But I thought there were too many times when he just looked, as as the question asked, like an, more like an angry fan and less like a coach at a time when that whole sideline's feeling that. And I will tell you this, having watched the other coaches, they all looked like Urban Meyer today. I can't count the number of times Larry Johnson was bent over with his hands on his knees, looking sick. Ryan Day chucked his headphones, looked sick. Tony Alford kicked the air. Urban Meyer punched the air. Greg, they all looked like they wanted to throw up the whole game. I so think they all it's not the, just Urban. Yeah, I think they all had the same expectations we did coming into this game. I don't think they felt like they came into this thinking. Obviously, you say all the right things going into the week, but we all know that nobody came into this game thinking that this is going to be a 52-51 to 51 game. So no, now but, that it's but, happening... But when bad things happen, I... I no, this isn't through excuse binoculars. At all. Expect more leadership shown from a guy with three national championship rings. And I will tell you again: when the times, it's not like I had a new conversation today. The times when he's bent over and he looks unhealthy, and there were screenshots today of like the team gathering, like mm. in an important moment, and Urban's behind the team with his hands on his knees. His head hurts, and we've covered that. His head hurts. When you see him bent over with his hands on his knees, looking down at the ground in stressful moments, that to me is my head hurts. That's a health issue. When he's punching the air and walking the sideline and pacing like a caged That's animal a and angry and, and off by himself and not – that's something else. That's emotion. So I do not expect him – he has a health issue he must face. If he's bent over with his hands on his knees – that to me is health. He can't help that. When he's pacing and seemingly like at a loss for what to do with his body language, that's emotional. I think that can be fixed. Hey, isn't it cool that good things happen when Demario McCall gets the ball in space? Maybe we should play that guy or something. That's at the real spray tan, uh, Michael T. Ives. So as we said, Mike Weber out with a quad injury today. Demario McCall became the second running back. Demario McCall, two touches running the ball for 12 yards, and did they throw it to him? No, they didn't throw it to him. Um, Urban Meyer said after the game he will play more. I thought it was – I mean, they, J.K. played, JK played what, 92% of the snaps. He can't play 100% of the snaps. They, they made 94 offensive plays. He can't play every play. He had 37 carries. He couldn't have any more carries. I've been waiting. I think Demario McCall could have been an option for them, not necessarily a third down back. I wish they would have worked him in more, and I tried the meme. Tell them the meme I tried. What's the thing? Oh, the don't ask, don't ask. I mean, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you were – what did you end up doing? I, I was in you, the – You were said, originally going to do it with, like, Tate Martell and yeah. Demario. I did. I did both. Okay. I, I said, like, that. me before the season, hey. I wonder – okay. 
Doug, <laughs> Doug tweets, me, I wonder if Tate Martell and Demario McCall can help this offense. Ohio State, don't play them, don't play them, don't play them, don't play them. Me, oh, looks like now they can be helpful. Well, yeah. <laughs> is that, is that, did I do it right? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I know I, I kind of did a play on it, but it's like. No, that was good. I, I'm a little, I'm not frustrated. I don't, it's not my team. But the idea that like, hey, it's game 11. It's game 10. It's game 11. Let's play Tate Martell and Demario McCall important snaps after they literally did nothing. They did nothing for a month and a half. It is now nut-cutting time at the end of the year, and Tate Martell and Demario McCall are in the game. And it's like, wow, I wonder if like a couple random snacks, snaps against Tulane might have done them some good. So how much did that Purdue game fluster this Ohio State fun? Coaching well, staff. And, and here's here's the issue. If they don't change anything, then it's like, why don't they change anything? Right. When they do change things, it's like, why didn't they change it before? Why are they trying something new so late? So I get it. You sort of complain no matter what. Right. But to me, Tate Martell and Demario McCall were reasonable possibilities that were right in front of their face starting week one. It was not a stretch to think that both of those guys could have had actual roles in this offense all year. And they did not do that, and we get to games 10 and 11, and they start doing it. So I feel like we're not second-guessing them on that. We're first-guessing them. But are you saying you think they're reaching that point because Purdue said, holy crap, we got to try new stuff? Yeah, because since then, you've seen some things kind of fall apart, and so they've kind of been desperate to try to find some things. The problem is you didn't lose to Purdue in week one, two, or three. You lost to them in the middle of the season where – you're at the point now where you're trying to make the point. Well, at that point, you were number two in the country and had pretty much were on pace to secure a spot in the college football playoff. You lose that game. Oh, shoot. Now everything changes. Okay, we got to get our running game together. So let's take these two weeks and get our running game together. You get the running game together, but all of a sudden the passing game starts struggling. So what do you do now? And the defense has been struggling the entire year. So you – you take Michigan State game and try to improve the defense, which was a complete lie and complete false falsehood. And now all of a sudden you think, but you think, okay, the defense is better. So now let's play. Now we can add all these other pieces in when come to find out the defense hasn't gotten any better. And now you're throwing two guys into the, into the seam of things on offense and you're, and there's no familiarity there because you didn't do them in the first couple of weeks because you kind of I think they got comfortable with what was working because they yeah. were still winning games. That Purdue loss made them very uncomfortable. When you get uncomfortable, you start trying to do things that you probably have no business doing at this point in the season. They we we talked about that. They change after losses. That's what they do. Right. So I I I'm Urban Meyer said like Wyatt Davis needs to play. Wyatt Davis got three snaps as a jumbo tight end against Nebraska and basically hasn't played since. He wasn't really – I don't think he played last week. He played like one snap today. Um, One adjustment they have made that they switched from the middle of the year – I hated it when – no offense to C.J. Saunders. When they were going four wide for the first half of the year, they were bringing C.J. Saunders in. And it's like you have more dangerous receivers than C.J. Saunders. They have fixed that. When they go four wide with four actual receivers now, they finally do the last three weeks or so put Paris and K.J. Hill – on the field together. If you're going to go double H's, play your two good H's. They're finally doing that so they can adjust. I don't like the idea. So I so they said, like Urban said, I think Demario McCall needs to play now. He's not going no, to. No, it's Michigan. You're not going He's to not throw going a guy to. in here who's really only gotten real time the week before a Michigan Because they're game. not. It's like he's like a, a different kind of running back. 
but they're not going to take Dobbins or Weber off the field and have Dobbins and Weber both healthy, standing next to each other on the sidelines with Demario McCall in the game, and they're not going to figure out a way this late in the year to like play Demario McCall with one of those running backs. Now, would I have tried looks earlier in the year where you go double tailback, one's Demario, one's J.K. Dobbins? Heck yeah, I would have tried it. I don't necessarily think you have to... Again, he's not a third down back where all of a sudden it's third and three and it really matters and neither Dobbins nor Weber is in. I get that. I don't, I'm not saying that. I'm saying I think DeMario McCall could have helped you before this and you couldn't find a way to do it. And all this was today is they needed a backup tailback because Mike Weber was hurt. Mm-hmm. So I'm not expecting if Dobbins and Weber are both healthy that all of a sudden DeMario McCall is going to be in the game. This was one of those situations where Urban says something and say. A guy does something, he says, oh, that guy's going to play more. But they actually don't have a way to play him because it's too late to figure it out. Kenny Stabler at Beat Bledsoe. Has the college game Pasciano by? Would defense look different if Grinch was in full control or are both equally at fault? My read on Alex Grinch is based only on the safety play, and it hasn't been good. So I can't say that, like, okay, well, give it to Grinch and everything will be fine. I don't know. But I think you. this is not the only – there are smarter people, football people than me who have sort of offered the suggestion about has the college game passed Greg Shiano by. He was a great defensive mind a decade ago at Rutgers. He went to the NFL. He's been back. His first year back, he was co-coordinating with Luke Fickle. The last two years without Luke Fickle, he's been more in charge kind of all by himself. I don't know who tells Greg Shiano no. Because Urban Meyer basically made him the head coach of the defense. Mm-hmm. If they had to work before Luke Fickle was here, Luke Fickle knew an Ohio State way of defense. Who tells Greg Schiano no? Who says, that's a bad idea? Who says, we need to adjust. I know you like to do this, but it's not working. Who in that room says it? Is it first-year coach Tabor Johnson? Is it first-year coach Alex Grinch? Is it... Over his head, second-year coach Bill Davis, who's just trying to keep his job. Maybe Larry Johnson. Who tells, with a head coach who's an offensive head coach and does not dabble and trusts his friend, who tells Greg Schiano when he's wrong? That If you're going to have co-coordinators, that's what you want, right? Now, sometimes you say, well, they're fighting too much. Why can't they get along? get along? There was some issue. I think people thought that. Some tug, some push and pull with Schiano and Fickle in 2016. When you have issues that have lingered, that to me is telling me the guy in charge is not being told, think about this a different way. Because there's, no, I don't know who in that room can shake him out of his tendencies and shake him out of the things he's done for 20 years defensively. And I think the points that people are making that maybe those things don't work anymore, I think might be very right. And Michigan Buckeye is asking this question too, at umich underscore Buckeye. And the losses to Purdue, Iowa, now this week, the OSU defense was clearly out-schemed. Yes, Bill Davis is bad, but schematic decisions are made by the defensive coordinator. While Shiano has the reputation and notoriety, isn't it time that the blame be placed squarely on him? Yes, go read it at cleveland.com. Would Ohio State have had a better game if they always played like they were down? It seems as though in certain games they played too conservatively. Although we allowed Maryland to outplay us on defense, our offense was hungry and made it happen for us. That's I'm Steel O'Green. I think you can say that about pretty much any like team in any sport. They always seem to play better when like they're down or they get blown out. It, and because it, it makes you say, well, like it, yeah, it does. Like yeah. like you were saying, if what they were doing early in the year, when things are working, 
or like there's no reason to change why change yeah. and like when you're down 17-3 it's like oh I guess we should change yeah um, I find it I think they have yielded underdogs must have ingenuity underdogs cannot win based on talent alone underdogs must take risks underdogs must try things Urban Meyer at a time in his life as a as a coach at Florida He's such a special teams guy. They blocked punts. There was a whole thing about when Urban Meyer's team blocks a punt, they win the game 98% of the time or something. They don't take chances. They don't try trick plays. They don't try to give up. They give up the fake against Purdue. They gave up a fake again today. Why Why does Ohio State never? I'm not saying most. They Never. Mark D'Antonio does it. Mark D'Antonio has good teams. He's not Ohio State, but he tries it. Never. 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 Double reverse pass. Michigan State hit against them last week. If it hadn't been called back by a penalty, that whole game might be different. Never. They never. Never. And that goes to They your, don't do it. And that goes to your point of underdogs do those things. How often in a Big Ten game has Ohio State been an underdog since Urban so Meyer's make, been here? Never. Make yourself... You know what? You're an underdog. You're an underdog because everybody thinks you stink. You know? Ho! Ho! Story idea. You know when they're going to be an underdog? <laughs> In like six days. <laughs> the, last time, the last time they even came close to being an underdog in a Big Ten game was when they won the Big Ten championship in 2014. And they were literally only the underdog because they lost their starting quarterback they were an underdog. And, believe it or not, they were an underdog against Michigan in 2015 after they lost to Michigan State the week before. Them yeah, but from a talent, yeah, like from a talent standpoint, like that Ohio State was a better team. It was just Ohio State was coming off a loss. It's a bad line. It was a bad line. Yeah, yeah, they're actually the underdogs in their home stadium for the first time in an urban as since Urban Meyer took over as head coach. Time for some trick plays next week. Did DeMario finally do enough to be the full-time kick returner? Might have saved the game with that last return. Brian O'Connor at BoCon182. Yes, Urban Meyer said it. Urban Meyer said it, so that answer is a resounding yes. What adjustments does the Ohio State defense have to make to not give up 500 yards and 50 points to Michigan? Isaac Chips at Isaac Chips. I think get more basic. I think get more basic and trust these guys. Quit overrunning plays. Quit blitzing and getting caught. Play, you know what worked a lot for Maryland today? Maryland gave up 4,000 yards, but they picked off Dwayne Haskins because they rushed three and dropped eight. Drop. Drop a little bit. Make sure, like, like don't, don't be on the attack all the time. I feel like they're on the attack, but they're not dangerous while they're attacking. I feel like that's partly because of the talent of linebacker. They don't have it. When they blitz, they never get there. They never get home. It worked when you had NFL talent on your D-line and on your linebackers. Ryan Chazier's a good blitzer. He's not here. Right. Like, listen, what's the Rick Pitino game? A lot of these guys are now, Lee is not walking through that door. He is not. At Hot Summer 70, any injury updates for next week? Baron Browning, Mike Weber, Terry McLaurin, and Thayer Munford. Uh, Mike Weber, I think, should be back. Well, we won't the way really he talked, it's like a quad injury that, that got worse over the course of the week. Um, Terry McLaurin, Urban Meyer said he's probable. He also called Thayer Munford probable. He said something like an MCL with Thayer Munford. I think they really need him. Um, he didn't say he tore anything in his knee. I did see Thayer Munford on the bike during the game. It mm-hmm. wasn't like Thayer Munford just absolutely no. disappeared. I disappeared and was like on the sideline and his 
streak close during the game. I'm not encouraging this or whatever, but sometimes with the linemen, they they both they every Ohio State lineman and I think most linemen everywhere wear double knee braces yeah, anyway, anyway during a game. Like you can wrap and brace and medicate that knee and like get yourself through it. I think if it's not a tear, if it's an injury, but it's not a tear, I think they try to get Thayer Munford through that because I think they really need him. Um, is that the most animated you've seen Urban from start to finish? I think, I think to the point at JSAT five, they're focusing on him a lot. I know people were talking about it on TV. I saw people tweeting about it. They're obsessed with him on the sideline now. Lots of coaches do similar things. I do think he was a little over the top in reacting to a game that he should have been controlling. Cynical Negro at NW Drone 410. Was that the craziest game Ohio State has been involved in since you've been covering the team? No. That's an amazing name. First and foremost. Love Cynical Negro. He's our guy. That's interesting. Um, okay. But um, I've mean, only been here for three weeks. So for me, yes. For him, no. Uh, I still think 2012. At home, they're losing to Purdue. Braxton Miller gets hurt. He leaves in an ambulance. They put backup quarterback Kenny Guyton in the game. They go down the field, score a touchdown, score a game-tying two-point conversion, and win in overtime. Kenny Guyton hands down the greatest college backup quarterback of all time. That's crazier. This was crazy. That was crazier. What's the uh, Eric Kazimov at Eric underscore Kaz? What's the percentage chance the Buckeyes defense plays a good to great game next Saturday? Thirty percent. What do you say? Twenty five. I don't know. Mm. I, I just I, I mean like what are you? I said it last week after Michigan. It's like what are you waiting for? Yeah, what do you think is going to change? It's literally the last week of the regular season for them. Uh, Andrew Summers with another one. Do you have any names right now that could be the linebacker coach or O line coach next season? Yeah, I got your linebacker coach. I don't know if he'd leave. And it's not my name. I said it when they hired Bill Davis. I would have looked at this guy. And it's not – I mean, it's obvious. Ask an average Ohio State fan for a linebacker coach for next year, and I think a lot of people will give you this guy. It's Marcus Freeman, former linebacker here, was defensive coordinator at Purdue, defensive coordinator now at Cincinnati. Marcus Freeman loves Luke Fickle. That is a special relationship. Luke Fickle coached Marcus Freeman here. I think Marcus Freeman – is a rising star in the coaching ranks. I think he can recruit. I think he can motivate. I think he can scheme. I think he can coach. I think he would have been a great hire for Ohio State before. I think he'd be an even better hire now. Would he leave Luke Fickle? Yeah, I think he would. For Ohio State. And I think yeah. if you, I think in the right situation, if you're going to get him, you make him the linebackers coach. I think he needs to be a co-coordinator. I don't know that he's your main guy. But he should have a voice in that room. But Grinch is a co right now. I don't know what you do. If you tell me, if you could tell me that you could get Marcus Freeman on the staff next year, I'd take him. And I, I don't think it's impossible. And I think they should look at him. You know what? We're gonna be almost done. There's a lot of there's a lot of things that are kind of repeating themselves in. Um, Tom Sad at Sad Tom with two A's. Eleven games in, and it feels like the coaching staff on both sides of the ball refuse to coach the personnel they have. Agree or disagree? I don't. I don't know that it's that. I just think it's they're making some coaching mistakes, and the personnel's not as good. I don't know that they're. They have tried to adjust defensively. These quarters are getting beaten in off coverage. They're getting beaten man coverage. I don't know what to tell you. Kendall Sheffield and Damon Arnett are getting beat a lot of different ways this year. So I'm not sure what else they can do. And Greg Schiano, I thought Greg Schiano made some excuses after the game that weren't right. But some of it, he said like it's one-on-one coverage. What are you going to do? 
the ball that was like originally called not a touchdown, but then was a touchdown. That was that, that dude yeah. Pigram or whatever his name is. He put that ball on the pylon. Yeah, and awesome throw, awesome catch. Did would Marshawn Lattimore or Denzel Ward break that up? Maybe. I would. Would these there. guys break this up? They haven't broken it up all year. I'm going to say Lattimore or Ward break that up. That's a great throw. It's not impossible to break it up. No. These guys have not broken those throws up. They get beat one-on-one on deep balls a lot. The safeties they have often have not been there to give help, but they also don't have Malik Hooker back there. So I, I don't know, and the pass rush is not as good without Nick Bosa. You lose the pass rush, you give teams more time to step back, and it takes a while to throw a deep ball. you got to let the receiver run down the field. Mm. So there are a lot of things working against them. When Greg Schiano says, hey, it's one-on-one, what are you going to do? Like, maybe coach him up better, Tamer. Like, yeah, coach him up better. But also, everyone's acknowledging that these are not first-round corners. But there's a lot of other things with the yeah, scheme that's that not something scheme. You, that's not something you want to hear from your defensive coordinator. It's one-on-one coverage. What are you going to do? Because that's pretty much like a main part of the job of being a cornerback is yeah. being able to cover someone one-on-one. And everybody gets beat sometimes. But I think they're getting beat yeah. too much. <laughs> Uh, Aaron McCormick at EP Bucks. I think this is, might be a new question asker. Not so much a question for the pod, but please follow up your question from the post game today. Ask him what, what our defensive coaches are doing that whole game was scheme related. A couple players missed one on one plays, but by this point in the year, they shouldn't be in that position. Am I crazy for thinking that defensive players didn't play that bad? Just the coaches gave them no chance before the snap. I thought they did get out schemed. I think there were some, I thought Damon Arnett, he got motioned into the line and they ran right at him on the first, the, the first play that popped. I thought Damon Arnett, he's supposed to have contain on that edge, but like if he's not doing that at 11 games in and he's played for a long time, is that him or is that somebody coaching-wise not explaining a thing? Are they trying to do too many complicated things that guys don't know what they're supposed to do? Because I think at your best, a guy knows, hey, I'm supposed to do this and I do it. I think, especially in the first half, they're asking them to do too much and they're not comfortable and confident. Chase Young said they went more base in the second half. They played better. I think maybe that's an answer. You simplify. Most of the time when there are breakdowns in execution, you simplify. I think maybe they need to simplify. And I think maybe Greg Shiano was reluctant to do that. But Aaron's overall question, like, were the players not that bad? They got beat on some one-on-one things. Brendan White, who had not missed tackles, missed some tackles. But a lot of times, Maryland was just making plays. Like, there's one block and boom, it's a 30-yard run. There's a scheme thing. Boom, it's an 80-yard run. It wasn't like glaring mistakes by the players. Some of it was scheme. Yeah, and even former Ohio State football player Josh, Josh Perry even tweeted about this, the fact that a lot of these plays that Maryland was running were designed specifically to go at the scheme Ohio State was running, and they led to McFarland having the type of day he had simply because Maryland knew what Ohio State wanted to do defensively, and so they designed plays coming into this game to go directly at some of the weaknesses these schemes had. And and I wrote this in the story. It's like that seems to be a running theme. It's like, oh, the whoever the offensive coach is on the other side out schemed the Ohio State defense. Once did Ohio has Ohio State's defense out schemed anybody this year? That like, oh wow, that was a good thing. We just we didn't have enough blockers for the thing no. they did. Or they dropped the coverage we didn't expect and that's why we threw a pick. No. I don't know. Been, no, it's just been like 
more talented than certain teams. The list of people who have out-schemed Greg Schiano is getting pretty long. At C-Benz 10, Lazurban 2 demonstrative on the sideline at times, especially in the first half, it seemed like he was creating a sense of anxiety rather than urgency. That's the kind of line that I would steal for a story. I think that's a great observation, C-Benz 10. You don't want your coach, you don't want to motivate. Calm down or lift up or motivate, inspire. Don't make everyone go, oh, my God, why, 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 what's going on? Why is everything going wrong? And I thought it looked more like that. When everyone else is panicking, you got to be the one person who's not. GP Bevan won. George Bevan, should I sell my Michigan ticket now? So for how much? The seat is an A-deck. Go, man. Yeah, it's still Ohio State Michigan, man. Be, I mean, like, like, Michigan's really good. And what if they upset them? Like, I don't think – it's not like Michigan's going to 100% win. you got to go. they got to go. Uh, let's end with this one. Jeremy Smith at Jer Smith 2000. What is there left to discuss? Nothing. He's Stephen Means. I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Mm-hmm.